What if your faith could become more than just a story? What if your faith could be as gentle as a dove and as wise as a serpent? What if your faith could become as bold as a lion? What if your faith could become lethal? My name is Blake Harris, and I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Michael Knight. And here on the Lethal Faith Podcast, we're here to give your faith some lethality. Good evening, morning, wherever you're at. Uh, Lethal Faith family, we're back with another podcast. Uh, me and uh, Dr. Michael Knight here. We're excited to be back in the studio to record. And we're really going to talk about um, keeping the faith today. You know, how do you keep the faith not only in your own life, but really in your children's life? How do we take our faith and pass it down to our children, which is really what we're all about here, is we want to keep our kids in the same faith value that we're in. Yeah, this is an exciting podcast because the Never Before Project, we focus on three uh, different groups, parents, students, and church leaders. And parents, out of all leadership, Blake, are the most important to the continuation of faith. So this podcast is really about how to keep your ch- the, the role of parents and keeping your children in their faith system. And uh, one of the world's experts is Dr. Christian Smith from the University of Notre Dame, and I could brag about him forever. I'm a huge fan. I read every book that he's ever written that I know of. And uh, he says, you know, that the empirical evidence, Blake, is clear. He says, in most every case, no other institution, no other program even comes close to shaping the religiosity of youth. No religious congregation, no youth group, no faith-based schools, no mission, no service trips, no summer camps, no Sunday school, youth ministries, or anything else has the power of a parent. You know, and, and it's true. And I know it's something that we focus up on here at our church uh, quite a bit. You know, he, he continues to go on and say, uh, so what can really be uh, committed is, is that religious parents, uh, due to it, increase their chances of raising children who, as young adults, believe and practice some version of their religion, um, the first answer is this, is simply to be themselves, which I find fascinating, right? Believe and practice their own religion genuinely and faithfully. Oh, that's huge, Blake, for them to, for parents to actually believe. But here's the catch. He didn't say go to church. The statistics don't say, well, parents that go to church and and pray that they um, give their faith forward. I heard a story. I was pastoring a uh, a counseling, a pastor this week, and there was actually a group of people on Friend Day. The church hit, like, doubled its size on Friends Day. And so there was no place to sit, no place to have. um, uh, It was a place with just jam-packed. And people who were in that church actually said after Friends Day, we don't really like that. Whoa. And the word they said to the pastors, who are great people, was we were really uncomfortable. 
we didn't we didn't have a seat. We had to stand up in the back. We didn't get our where we sit where we usually sit. I couldn't find a chair. We don't need to ever do that again. And I thought to myself, that right there, that comment is the reason why churches don't grow. Yeah. And that's a huge, huge cancer in a church. But I also remember when I spoke at that church how a lot of that group of people flooded the altars because their kids had left their faith. Mm. And I put those two together. Here's a great church with great yeah. pastors and great leadership. So just being religious and going to church isn't what we're talking about. We're talking about what Blake just said, to, to be have a, a parenting style that's uh, authentic, where your faith means something to you on Monday. Yeah. I had a guy one time when we started Covenant looked at me and he said, listen, I leave my Christianity at the top of the of the earth. And when I go down in the coal mines, they didn't go with me. And I thought, you ain't got much of Christianity. Yet. Oh, wow. You know, I, I think this is so true. And this is something I've heard from a lot of my peers is that, you know, their their parents would, would go to church on Sunday, right? And they had, would have these wonderful experiences at church and they would come home and they were just as mean as as they were before, it was like what happened to them at church had no effect on them. Oh, it, you know, uh, parenting style um, is so important, but to have an authoritative parenting style. Yeah. In other words, adolescents, youth, they look to parents in actually two crucial traits. Number one, parents that first, that consistently hold their children to clear and demanding expectations, standards, and boundaries in every area of their life, actually seals faith. And secondly, parents that relate to their children with an abundance of warmth and support seals faith. But what's fascinating, Blake, is that in the movies, fundamentalist or evangelical parenting is seen as being so authoritative that it's abusive. Yes. Sociologically, we know, and we've talked about it on this podcast before, that you cannot seal the faith in your children and be a religious nut. It yeah. has to really be an authentic faith mm -hmm. that is dear to you, that you practice, and that produces warmth and love in that house. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right on that. You know, uh, I just think about my own parenting style, and, and, you know, my wife is all the time like, you're too hard on them, you know, things like that. But, you know, I had to get on my son the other day because he— he, he wasn't doing his homework, you know, and I thought, you got to do this, man. You know, this guy's only eight, you know, and I was like, he just is putting off an assignment, you know, and I, and I just finally, I was like, dude, it's it. It's over. No more video games, no more YouTube, no more none of this. You know, I'm like laying the law down, you know, I'm like, you're not getting nothing, you know, and uh, my, my wife's like, you're so hard on him, you know, and I was like, relax. He, he, he's fine. He can do without YouTube. Boys for need that strong discipline, yeah. but so do girls, and, and oftentimes a different way. But Charlie, you know, is a great kid. If we talk oh, yeah. about Blake's little boy. Um, but at the end of the day, when I look back at being Blake's age or look back at Aiden's age, I mean, I was raised in a very authoritative parental yeah. home, and we weren't even Christians, yeah. okay? for I mean, we were Christians in name, yeah. but we didn't go to church until I was a freshman in high school or the before my freshman year started and I look back and I wanted that direction yeah. and once my mom and dad gave their life to Christ fully I looked at them like okay I planned all the dances let's use something funny I planned all the dances for our high school yeah you know and I thought okay you know she 
just started going to church and I'd watch mm. Footloose back in, the, <laughs> back in the 80s. So I didn't know whether I was going to get away with this or not. My mom, thank God, had the wisdom to let me choose on certain things, but there was mm-hmm. other things that That's it right. was off. And, and academically, like you're talking about with yeah. Charlie, listen, no, the gauntlet's coming down, yeah. and you have to be authoritative in a very loving way, and then I think they actually appreciate that, but too many parents, Blake, want to be their child's buddy yep. and best friend, and they don't want to uh, produce any discipline out of them. You're absolutely right. You know, you know, it, it talks about uh, afterwards, you know, it says you go back, you know, with abundance of warmth, love, and support. You know, after I, I kind of laid the law down on my son, I went back to him, and I said, listen, I said, I know you think we're being hard on you on this. I said, but you you have to realize is that is that we – as your parent, we have the wisdom to see beyond what you're experiencing right now. And I said, and that's exactly the way God is with us. I said, sometimes God gives us rules, right? Or things to obey, right? That we don't quite understand right now. I said, but that's because God has the ultimate wisdom. And I said, and that's the reason God has gives us wisdom is so that we can see beyond what's happening right here and now. Yeah. Like what you just said, God says, if I love you, I'll discipline you. The other day, something yep. happened to me that just crushed my spirit. I mean, just, and I went off in a, a way, in a direction that wasn't pleasing to God. I didn't rape nobody. I didn't kill nobody. I didn't get drunk. None of that stuff. Right. But I just knew I displeased God. Mm-hmm. And I just ran away emotionally. And the Lord spoke to me and said something. I've never had him speak to me in 38 years. He said, you didn't even give me a chance to deliver you yet. Ooh. Tell me about it. So God loves us enough to speak into our life hard things. Yes. You know, I had to do the same thing with my daughter that's in college here recently. Mm -hmm. She tried to convince me that she was going to inherit a lease where somebody else had signed it, and she didn't have to sign a new lease. I said, bull butter. (laughs) (laughs) That's not going to happen. And we kind of got in a tiff about it because she was convinced she was right. Mm Mm-hmm. But she didn't have the life experience to know if she was right or wrong. That's right. You know, Christian Smith, he, he goes on, you know, and you know, after the parenting style and, and things like that, he says, in short, American children are more likely to embrace the religion of the parents when they enjoy a relationship with them that they can express real clear parental authority and effective warmth. That's why I think, Blake, gener- and Lethal Faith Family, Generation Z stands to have the greatest revival in the history of the world. Number one, we're due for a third great awakening. Number two, all revivals predominantly have started uh, from the young. And then number three, this generation is closer to their parents than any other previous generation. Yeah. And their parents are more involved in their life. If we could just get parents to be intentional about conversations of faith and then come to places like Lethal Faith Podcast on Apple or, or Anchor, um, and we'll help you answer the questions. How do you know you can trust the Bible? If mm-hmm. God is so good, why is there evil in the world? How do you know that the universe is unique? Those kind of things. Parents don't feel equipped into mm-hmm. answering the questions that their children are asking, but when they are equipped, man, the benefits of an equipped parent religiously having intentional conversations with their kids 
goes through the roof. That's right. You know, and he goes on and says that routine talking about religion. You know, a second trait of parents who successfully pass on uh, religious faith and practice to their children is that they, as a normal part of family life during the week, they talk with their children about religious things, what they believe and practice, what it means, what it implies, why it matters to them, so on and so forth. I mean, I think this is so important, you know, is that, you know, as a parent of, of young children, this is something I, I routinely do. I mean, like I said, I literally talked to my son the other night about discipline and even how the Lord disciplines us because he loves us and he can he has the wisdom to see beyond what we're being effective with now. You know? well, that's so important. And, and, you know, one of the ways in which we can solidify faith as parents is, like Blake said, a routine talking about religion. I bring it up going to school. I say, hey, how's your devotional life? Tell me about it. You know, and if mm-hmm. Aiden Knight tries to get away with, I read my Bible, I said, oh, really? <laughs> Chapter and verse, big boy, you know, and I start laughing. But I'd have the same conversations with my daughter. Mm-hmm. And when they're in college, the first two weeks of their freshman year is the most crucial time for parents to literally take the weekend off, go mm-hmm. to that college, and walk their children physically to a church as they choose a church within the first two weeks of their freshman year. Mm-hmm. I did that with my own daughter, and she's at a Christian university, a wonderful one called Lee University. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, to routine talk about it during the week and, and to bring it up in natural conversations. Uh-huh. If all you ever do is hear the name of God around a dinner table when you pray over food, yeah. or if cancer shows up, well, we need to pray for grandma, you're in big trouble. Uh-huh. But if you, can, if you can put things in there like, hey, did you notice the news the other day said they found an inscription that actually dates uh, back to Hezekiah in Jerusalem? Uh-huh. I'm one of the kings in the Bible's mentioned, and we find out it's actually real. You know, that kind of intentional uh, conversation with kids as parents is crucial. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it goes on to say, it says, uh, uh, channeling for internalization, he, he states that uh, above the, the non-parental influences, congregations, youth group, religious schools, and so on, pale in comparison to the influence of parents. That does not mean that these other factors are irrelevant. They can make a difference in the religious formation of youth, but but normally they do so because religiously committed and intentional parents arrange for it. See, I love that. When I was a youth pastor, and Blake's been a youth pastor too, oh, I used yes. to hate when a kid would tell me, I'm grounded from youth group. Oh. That's the dumbest thing Back then, I didn't know what I know now. So in sociology yeah. and religion and all this stuff, yeah. that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of in my life. Oh, that's a great idea. Let's ground our children from the positive uh, influences they have in their life mm-hmm. for God. Yeah, you don't, you know, that drives me crazy. So going to church, going to youth group, doing those things are—it's important for parents. It's not that it's not important, but parents are more important than any of these things. And then mm-hmm. secondly having other adults that have your value, vision, and mission that model your faith around Charlie mm-hmm. or around uh, Aiden or Lily or Ella is so important because there's sometimes that there's more power when um, uh, Erica says it. That's right. Or Lily, the older mm-hmm. sister, says it. Yeah. And when they're talking about God to my children or to Charlie, yep. you know, Pastor Donnie, or, yep. uh, you know, I'm talking to... Charlie in the in the lobby or when we oh, go yeah. down to eat, say, hey, Charlie, uh, uh, have you read your Bible lately? Yeah. 
You know, I you know I, I think about uh, back to when I was a youth pastor too. I, I remember having this student uh, in my youth group, and she was she was a very good volleyball player, very good. Well, for whatever reason, uh, the school started to implement practices on Wednesday nights. You know, and and the and they wanted and her daughter their daughter was a, a piano player, and uh, and she would been playing. In, in our youth group band, right? She was playing the piano, and then she kind of quit sh- showing up and uh, for practice and things like that, but she still wanted to play. And, and I said, well, I said, one of the rules is is that you don't play on stage unless you practice. I said, you know, we want you to be committed. I li- and I said, listen, I get it. You're in sports. I understand. You know, and, and they was like, well, are you – the parent literally looked at me and said, are you going to help me get my daughter a scholarship? And I said, no, but I can help you keep your daughter from going to hell. You know, of course, they didn't like that answer, yeah. but that's the truth, you know. That is the truth, you know. And so I remember it was a couple hard pills to swallow, you know. But I, I was just thinking, like, I mean, come on, cut me a break here, you know. And most parents are oblivious to that. They would rather and listen. I've said this before. I'll say it again. If you come home with a C in my house, with Jenny Knight, you better be <laughs> weeping and gnashing. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, and you better be pleading the blood of Jesus <laughs> when you walk through the door, because you have had it. I like what Christian Smith says. Uh, um, I said that because a 4.0 is important in yeah. our house. But a 4.0 is not more important than my kid going to heaven or hell. That's right. No way. And I like what Christian Smith says. He uses an inter- interesting word. He uses the word channeling, which by channeling, he means a subtle nudging or introducing or steering children in the right direction. Like, did you read your Bible? Yeah, Daddy, I read my Bible. What did you study? Well, I studied uh, Philip. Well, did you know that Philip was the granddaddy of the book of Philippians is named after the uh, father of Alexander the Great that you learned in school last week? Just kind of nudging them and guiding them, getting them to talk about their faith mm-hmm. so that they begin to own their own faith. They feel a responsibility to, to have a daily devotion, to connect with the deity, to be in prayer, to worship God. And that's why youth camp experiences and youth group experiences where they worship God is so important. So the goal of religious channeling is for children to personalize and internalize their religious faith over time. And to think of themselves more as someone who believes, like Charlie says, I'm a believer, or, or, or uh, Aiden or Ella or Lily, I'm a believer. That's, that's just crucial. Well, you know, Blake, they have uh, uh, the Pew Research that came out, and they had a, a fascinating study. They said uh, they surveyed 1,800 U.S. teens and their parents about religion. And one of the things they discovered were parents are more likely than teens to say that religious is very important in their life and to overestimate rather than underestimate how important religious religion is to their teens. For instance... Far fewer teens, 24% than parents, 43% said that religion is very important in their lives. Why do you think that's the case? Well, I, I think that's because that parents uh, have, for the most part, um, how do I put this, uh, had a real experience, right, with God. Uh, to where they can say, well, this is this is extremely important to me because I've lived this out for, for so many years and I can relate back to some sort of experience that may have happened. Whereas most teens, 
this day and age would probably say, yeah, my parents kind of do that, but that's kind of their thing, if that makes sense. It does, and I really I think that most of these kids do that, and, and parents produce this because they rely on the church to do the education, a Christian education in their home, and they uh, don't realize or they underestimate the power of a religious experience. First and foremost, starting by a religious conversion, to where a child has this understanding that I have committed my life to Christ and now I'm getting baptized in water and they're incorporated into the life of the church. Parents think that their children are saved and incorporated into the life of the church because they attend faithfully on Sunday morning. Yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, it says teenagers attend religious services about as often as their parents, but 38% say they attend mainly because mom or dad want them to. 35% 35% say they attend because they want to. I would love to dig deeper into this sociological data, but the the data is not here in front of us, and I'm not sure the data exists for this particular research at Pew, but I will guarantee you that the 35% had a religious experience where God touched their life and became intimate and real to them. Yes, I, I would. And I Christian would. Smith teaches that. Yeah, I would. I would. I would stake my life on that just on my own experience that I had, you know, uh, he continues to go on and say most U S teens ages uh, 13 to 17 share religious affiliation of one or both parents. Uh, then, uh, eight and 10 parents who identify as evangelical Protestants, uh, have a teen who identifies as such, but little more than half the teenage children of mainline Protestants, identify the same way as their parents do, and about a quarter of the mainline Protestant parents have a teen who is religiously unaffiliated. I don't mean to be cruel. It's science. But mainline parents, that means parents who take their children to a Methodist church that's staying Methodist right now, Mm -hmm. a Presbyterian church, a church of, uh, I'm going to say Church of Christ, but Episcopalian or Lutheran, Mm -hmm. churches denominations that in some ways, not in every case, but have denied the authority of Scripture, the infallibility of Scripture, denied that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Mm -hmm. Mainline churches that are liberal in theological education are losing their children at an alarming rate. Now, you can go to the future of a book called Network Christianity and look also at the writings of uh, uh, my friend Ed Stetzer, Dr. Ed Stetzer, and you will see where kids that used to be nuns, that's what they call these kids that leave the church and become atheists and agnostic mm-hmm. and no religious affiliation, that when they come back to church, which is usually when they begin to ha- get married and have children, that they do so in charismatic communities most likely. apostolic networks where they believe that the Bible is the word of God and they believe in miracles and they believe in divine healing and they believe that God can touch us and change our lives and that you can sense the presence of God. But it is a very, 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 it's a slaughterhouse with mainline denominational kids. Yeah. And and you know what's interesting? I'm sorry, Blake. You know what's interesting? In the never before research certified by the University University of Birmingham and in England, we found out that even when you're a charismatic and you go to a charismatic mainline church, that you know the Word of God less and you believe the Word of God is infallible less than you do when you go to a 
evangelical, very definitive. This is what we believe. You would use the word authoritative. Yep. Sociologists would use in a negative way the word dogmatic. I yep. use the word dogmatic in a positive way. Those children retain their faith in evangelicals and kids that are raised in spirit-filled denominations do a much better job of retaining their kids than kids from mainline denominations. That's a scientific fact. Well, it's because they actually have something that's actual truth. They have something to stand on. You know, uh, you know, Jesus is the, you know, the Bible says that Jesus is the chief cornerstone, right? He, he's something that you build off of. If, if you just say, well, you kind of interpret this however you want, well, then truth is in become relative, right? We don't really know what is truth then. And uh, I, I think that's such a, a sad fact that, that, that we've experienced that in, in the churches um, today. So let's see here. The research goes on to say about two-thirds of adolescents taking the survey say they identify with a religion uh, with about one-quarter identifying as Catholic and 21% as evangelical Christian. Even evangelical teens say religion is very important in their lives. and They're nearly twice as often as those of other Christian groups are also far likelier to believe God with an absolute certainty. Yep. I mean, think about Blake. Let's stop there. Okay. Let's stop there. <laughs> no. Why would I get up and go to a church that I didn't believe what they were saying? Yeah, I mean, what's the point? And the preacher didn't believe it. The preacher didn't believe that we're created male and female. And the preacher didn't believe that the Bible is the inaccurate the accurate word of God. And they didn't believe that God could physically touch you and that God just kind of created the universe and left us like they were a bunch of deists. Why go there? I'm going to go somewhere if I'm going to believe in a God that's real and tangible. Mm -hmm. Right? I, I agree. You know, if, if, if we're just going to say that in our churches, I mean, what's the point? You're just up there collecting money. <laughs> You know, I mean, that's the way I really view it is that if you're just telling me that all this is kind of one big facade and we're just up here to uh, really have some sort of somebody to talk to because it makes us feel a little better about our conscience. Uh -huh. So what? I know a lot of good moral people, right, who are living a perfectly fine life. They don't need the church to tell them to be moral. You know, but there, there has to be something that says, okay, this is real. This is authentic, right? That, that I, have, I have something that is beyond me, that, that, I, that is absolute truth. That's where I have to, to stand, you know. Uh, I, if, if we're just going to do that, let's just go worship the statue, you know. Whatever statue you want to pick, let's just go worship it, and we'll be, and we'll be done with it, you know. I mean, Like Paul said, worshiping. Something made by hands, which is how you know the difference between uh, an evangelical God and a God somewhere else. You know, a lot of other religions, Greek mythology, Egyptology, whatever, they have to have a God that uh, has sexual uh, organs because yeah. God is created in man's image. Mm-hmm. Not man is created in God's image, so they have to make God look just like them. Just like God, when he created us, made him look just like them. Yeah. It's fascinating, right? So he, the report goes on to say uh, about 70% of teens and parents accurately estimated how important religion was to the other. But when they estimated incorrectly, 
parents overestimated its importance 69% of the time, while teens underestimated its importance for mom and dad 55% of the time. You know, that'd be a good place to stop and go on a little rabbit trail and then uh, pick back up at our next podcast. But, you know, 70% of teens and parents accurately estimated how important religion was to the other one. But when they estimated incorrectly, parents overestimate its importance 69% of the time. How do we, as parents who want to make faith retention intentional, how do we have, what do we do? Well, there are several things that are going through my mind right now. Number one, we know that when a child becomes middle school, if they can't articulate their faith as some basic precepts, you're in trouble. In other words, if I look at uh, my uh, niece, Kaylin, who is 14, and I say, Kaylin, what does it mean to be saved? She goes, it means I go to church and I've been baptized. I could be in big trouble. Mm -hmm. Because if she says to me, or you, you know, Jesus lives in my heart. I'm trying to represent him and to share his word where I go. And I've been baptized because it's a symbol of the death, the burial, resurrection of Jesus. And use it in her own words. Right. But if they can begin to articulate their faith and pull mm-hmm. faith principles together, then you know they're beginning to own the faith. And when a middle schooler does not have the capability to articulate faith, and what they, they don't own it. Yeah. That came from the American Research Group, actually. Yeah. You know, um, and it really is scary. You know, uh, I, I think that 69% whenever they overestimated. My, my question is, is is why would a parent overestimate? You know, like, like you're obviously you're there with your child, right, all the time. Uh, so why are you overestimating the importance of it? I think it's directly related to the fact of what you just said. You know they're there. Mm. So they go to church so you think they're safe. Bull. That's right. You're not. You got to have some sort of conversation with them. A walk with God. They've got to have an intimate experience with God. Yeah, you know, and, and this is one of those things is that you know we we highly emphasize here at um, the Never Before Project is that you constantly have conversations with your children, always asking them what's your faith like, right? Well, whatever question it may be, you know, and uh, these are conversations, like I said, I have with my, my son on a pretty much a daily basis, you know, is that, you know, I ask him things like, can you tell me about this guy in the Bible, right? Or, or even sometimes like I'll ask him about, well, what did you learn in Sunday school? Can you tell me about that? You know, that's those are really good points and practical applications to start out. What did you learn in church today? You know, and sometimes my son's like, well, I don't know, you know, and I'm, and so like luckily we, we give papers out here and so I can be like, well, you know, it says that you learned about Joshua, per se. I said, can you tell me about Joshua? He'll be, oh, yeah, you know, well, Joshua did, 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 did. you know, and my son, he won't stop talking. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> but those are, uh, ultimately, it just starts with a conversation. And sometimes it's just simple questions we ask our children. Tell me what you learned today, right? And, and one of the things I've been going through the Bible with my son about is characters in the Bible, right? And, and kind of like what identified those characters, right? So I, I talk about, t- tell me about Adam. Who, who was Adam, right? And he'll say, well, Adam was a starter. He was the first, right? And I'll be like, well, tell me about Peter. Uh, 
Peter was bold, right? Peter wouldn't wouldn't stop talking. He always put his foot in his mouth, you know, th- things like that, so that he can begin to articulate who some of these people are, so that I understand that he's actually learning about what is happening inside the Bible. And so, with that, guys, I just want to close this out and say thanks for listening as always, and thanks very much. We'll catch you next time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the podcast today. Don't forget to like, share, up, subscribe. And as always, keep it lethal. Sorry for-